one of the most widespread activities in all of the universe is growth. And often it seems like the whole universe is alive and growing. Our children grow up so much quicker and so much faster than we really want them to. I remember when our boys were little, I would be sitting in my recliner watching television, enjoying life, and they would come to me with tears in their eyes and a double handful of the pieces of a broken toy and say, fix it, Daddy. And so we'd get the glue and the other things out and we'd do our best to fix it. They're past 30 years old and they still come to me and say, fix it, Daddy. Only now then it usually involves something a little more complicated and a little more expensive than some super glue. The point is, we turn around, we blink our eyes, and our children are grown. Most of us have a pet of some sort at home. Some of us might have a cat or cats. Others have a dog or dogs. The point is, a little wobbly-legged puppy or a scrawny kitten in just a few months is a full-grown dog or cat. Trees grow. Flowers grow. Institutions grow. Nations grow. Growth is something that is universal. But more important than any other growth is the growth that takes place within the individual. Individuals grow physically in body. They grow intellectually in their mind. And they grow spiritually in their soul. And it's the last one of those. Growing spiritually in our soul. That's what is supremely important to us this morning. You see, in most instances, growth is something that is just almost automatic. But we eat because we're hungry. And we grow. We sleep because we get tired. We exercise because we like to be active or the doctors told us to exercise. My doctor said, do you get exercise? I said, I get a lot of exercise. But he informed me that getting up from the couch, walking to the refrigerator and back to the couch during commercial breaks didn't count as exercise. But we exercise because we want to be active or because we're instructed to. Growth just happens. It's unsought, but it is inevitable. Occasionally something goes wrong. And growth is interrupted. And all of us have seen that occasionally in some dwarfed child. And it spells 
tragedy and heartbreak. But beloved, there are some areas where growth is not automatic. There are areas where growth does not just happen. In the spiritual realm, as far as our soul is concerned, growth does not take place without plan and effort. Growing spiritually can only be achieved by a conscious desire and by diligent work. As Christians, our greatest desire should be that we would grow into the likeness of Jesus Christ. We often sing that grand old hymn, Oh, to be like Thee, blessed Redeemer, this is my constant longing and prayer. Gladly I'd forfeit all of earth's treasures, Jesus, Thy perfect likeness to wear. A lot of the time, that's our desire. But at other times, our desire to be like Jesus can be crowded out by the trivia of the day. And often, if we're not careful, we find ourselves striving for the same goals and in much the same way as non-Christians. Our problem is, we live in an increasingly secular age. And oftentimes, the sheer volume of secular, non-spiritual activities crowds out the deepest longing of our heart to be like Jesus. I'm afraid oftentimes folks are like a farmer I read about. It seems this particular farmer was missing a lot of Sunday morning services, a lot of Sunday services. More and more he was missing Sunday services. So the preacher stopped by to see him one afternoon. And they visited a little while. And the preacher said, So how are you doing in your relationship with Jesus Christ? The farmer said, Well, I'm not making much progress, but I'm happy because I'm well established. Here's a news flash for you. The preacher didn't like that answer. But he bit his tongue, it bled a little, and he let it go. A week later, the farmer's hauling hay. And he gets his tractor stuck in the mud out in the pasture. And no matter how hard he tries, no matter what he does, he just gets it stuck more and more. And he's defeated and he sits down and he's just sitting there viewing this dismal situation of his tractor up to the axle in mud. And about five minutes later, the preacher drives up. And the preacher says, Brother, I see you're not making any progress. No, preacher, I'm not. preacher said, Well, you ought to be happy because it looks like you're well established. Well, folks, there are a lot of people in the Lord's church today all over this country 
that think they're well established in the faith of Jesus Christ. And the truth of the matter is, they're just stuck in the mud. They don't read God's Word. They don't share God's Word or God's love with other people. And they're just not making any progress. They're not growing spiritually. When you look at this book, the Bible often emphasizes the importance of souls growing. Our text this morning comes from 3 John, the first four verses. The elder under the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Here the aged Apostle John is writing to a younger Christian. A man who's growing a man who's developing spiritually just the way John had hoped that he would. And so John commends him. And John expresses his desire, Gaius, I want you to prosper. I want you to be in health. I want your physical health to be as robust as your soul is prospering at this point in time. Now you think about that. Can you think of a finer compliment than someone desiring a finer compliment on our spiritual well-being and on the spiritual emphasis of our lives that someone would desire that our physical health be as robust as our spiritual health? Oh my goodness, I know a lot of folks would be on life support. But that wasn't the case with Gaius. I want your physical health, John said, to be just as robust, just as vibrant as your spiritual health is. We turn to the Hebrew Christians, the letter to the Hebrew Christians, and there's a negative warning there. It begins in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12, and I'll read through chapter 6 and verse 3. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again what be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For every one that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he's obeyed. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and laying on of hands and of the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit. You see, when the writer wrote that letter to those Hebrew Christians, 
They were not growing spiritually. They were actually in danger of leaving Christianity and returning back to Judaism. He said, but you've become those that need milk and not strong meat. You're unskillful in the Word. You're not growing spiritually. And there are other admonitions in the Scriptures. There's this positive emphasis. This is from Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 11. Paul writes, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man under the measure of the stature at the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cutting, cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, may grow up into Him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Peter also weighs in on this. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5-7, through 7, And beside all this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. You see, when you go back and you look at the Christians of the first century, we're all so aware of the giants we read about in the Bible. Well, how did they do it? How did those early Christians, how did they achieve the spiritual strength that they had? Quite simply, they grew by association. Take those apostles that Jesus called. Those that were His closest associates. We've been talking about them in our Sunday morning Bible class. They were the family that Jesus chose. They were the men that Jesus chose for His family. And those twelve men were very ordinary men. They were fishermen. They were tax collectors and such like. But after three years with Jesus, they were the great apostles who established the church. Remember in the early part of Acts, it's after Pentecost. Peter's baptized those 3,000 people. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John go up to the temple to pray the hour of prayer. And there's a lame man there, and Peter tells him, Silver and gold have I none, such as I have. Give I thee in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And then they started preaching, and people started coming to Jesus Christ, and the Jewish leaders were incensed, and so they, they brought Peter and John in before them. The authorities examined Peter and John. Said, by what authority you do this? We do it by the name of Jesus Christ. And here's what it says. 
After those authorities had examined Peter and John, after they'd gone through all of that special counsel they had called for them, it says they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. But it says in Acts chapter 4 and verse 13, it says they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. That little group of men, those twelve men, they went with Jesus everywhere He went. They observed Jesus under stress and strain. They watched Jesus react to angry critics and they watched Him answer their questions in a spirit of love. They observed Jesus in long nights of prayer. They ate with Him. They traveled with Him. And through their association with Jesus, they grew. So that the authorities said they took knowledge of them, that they had been with Jesus. And you might ask, well, How did the Apostle Paul grow to be such a spiritual giant? Because we remember, Paul was persecuting Christians early in the first century. And so we remember that Paul came to know Jesus late during his earthly ministry. Paul spoke of himself as a child untimely born, or some translations, an apostle born out of due season. By this, he meant that he had not known Jesus as the other apostles. He was not part of that original band of apostles. But the answer is the same. Paul grew through his association with Jesus. In the first chapter of the Galatian letter, if you'll read it, he tells us of his earthly or his early experiences as a Christian. In Galatians chapter 1, he tells us he spent three years in the Arabian desert with the Lord. And because of that, he would write a beautiful passage in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. He says, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. Why not, Paul? Because I know whom I have believed. And later in his life, Paul could say without hesitation or reservation, Be ye imitators of me, as I also am of Christ. Folks, we must grow spiritually as Christians. And in the 21st century, we grow as Christians just as they did in the 1st century. We grow by association. We grow by association with Christians of our own day and time. We grow by being with other Christians in our times of recreation. And being with other Christians helps us to develop spiritually. And gathering together to worship and study, we mature as Christians. 
and times like our Sunday evening class and our Wednesday night Bible study, when we can associate with each other in a much more informal setting, we get to know each other, we get to fellowship with each other, and we mature as Christians because we associate with Christians. We also grow spiritually through association with those in need. The sick, the bereaved, the poor, the young, the aged. When we come to know and understand the problems and the needs of others, and we help with those problems, we grow personally and we develop. As we share in the sufferings of others, we grow and we mature. We grow and we mature by association with Christians of other generations. There have been giants of the faith that we may not be able to sit down and visit with. But we can read the writings of such spiritual giants as Foy Wallace, C.R. Nickel, or Guy in Woods. And by reading their writings, we can grow spiritually. We can grow spiritually by tuning in to programs such as the search program on television. It's impossible to listen to those things or read the writings of these men without being drawn closer to the Lord. It's impossible to, to go back and read the writings of a man like David Lipscomb and not be drawn closer to the Lord by reading his writings. And through reading the writings of others, we can associate with many great Christians of other generations. But we can take this book and we can read the lives of great Bible characters and we can grow and mature spiritually. Instead of, I see a lot of times these concepts where, it's, where you can follow a schedule and you can read through the entire Bible in a year. And I'm not belittling that or demeaning that in any way. It's a good practice. But instead of reading chapters or a set number of chapters or verses, or instead of spending so many minutes a day reading, let's spend time associating with the characters of the Bible that we read about. Through an eye of faith and with some sanctified imagination, let's be a part of the crowd there on, on the mountainside as Jesus preaches and teaches that Sermon on the Mount. Or let's be there in the multitude that's crying, crucify Him, crucify Him, and give us Barabbas. And let's feel the tension of that moment. Let's feel the angst of that crisis. The anxiety in the hearts of those that love Jesus. And let's transport ourselves and let's participate in the events that we're reading about. When we do that, we can make the story of Joseph come alive to us. 
We can see that coat that His Father gave for Him. We can see that pedestal His Father put Him on and made His brothers jealous of Him because He didn't have to work like a common field laborer as they did. We can see Him at the bottom of that pit. We can see Him in that caravan as He's taken as a slave to Egypt. We can make the stories of the Bible come alive to us. We can be with Moses on the mountain. We can feel the hot anger of Moses when he comes down from Sinai and he sees that golden calf and the people engaged in the worship of idols. We can be with David tending his sheep. We can be with Jeremiah in the mud and slime of the pit. Isaiah, as he sees the Lord high and lifted up, we can transport ourselves. And we can live with Moses and David and Isaiah and Jeremiah. And we can drink in their spiritual strength. And we read the New Testament. And we can travel with the apostles. We can feel the yearning of their hearts. We can be built up by their example. We can spend time with timid Timothy. We can feel the anxiety in his heart as he gets that last letter from Paul. And Paul says, come to me before winter and bring my books and my cloak and my parchments. We can be with Mary as she stands at the foot of the cross and watches her son die there. We can be with Dorcas as she's making those garments for those around her that are in need. We can be with Lydia by the riverside as she opens her heart and hears the preaching of Paul. We can be with that jailer as he springs in and sees the prisoners have all been released and falls down at the feet of those men and says, what must I do to be saved? Through the Bible. We can associate with those people. We can come to know those people as our friends and our companions. And we can associate with God. We can associate with Christ. And we can grow spiritually inside. Through the Word of God, we can live with Jesus. We can walk the dusty roads of Palestine with Jesus during His ministry. And by doing that, just like the apostles did, we can grow spiritually through periods of prayer and times of meditation. We can develop spiritually and we can grow into what God wants us to be as individuals. It all begins when we make that decision to give our lives to Christ. It all begins... When in simple, trusting faith, repenting of sin, confessing His name, we're buried in baptism for the remission of past sins. And it continues. As all through our lives, we make the kind of, right kind of associations to grow spiritually. I don't know the need of your heart or your life this morning, but if there are changes that you need to make, it's the time to do it as we stand and while we sing.